Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for them. Today's episode is the 11th part in our series called Revolutionary, with the conversation being led by Lead Pastor Yukon Chu. As some of you know, what we do here for that reflection and engagement is that we go through portions of the scriptures of Jesus to engage with that spiritual journey. And we do that because not necessarily because we want to be bigoted or or closed-minded towards other religious teachers or spiritualities, but we do that because we do believe in the midst of the many options of spirituality that we have here today in our city and in our world. We think there is something unique about Jesus, something special, something different about who he was and is and how he lived his life and what he taught. And so here, every Sunday, we take a moment to reflect on his life and his teachings. We invite you, regardless of your spiritual background, to bring in the input you have from other traditions and teachers. But we have uh, been doing this now for some time, and specifically, the last few months, we've been in a conversation on the subject of revolutions, what it means to be a revolutionary in light of Jesus. We've been talking about this, of course, because... All of us have been wanting, I think, change and something different in our own lives and in our society. Uh, Glenn noted that we live in a strange time. There's a certain wind blowing around that seems to be bringing up issues that are affecting us deeply. And so we've been trying to figure out, well, what does it mean to actually experience a revolution, both personally but also as a society? Now, the word, of course, revolution has a lot of implications. We think about the last hundred years in human history. There have been plenty of revolutions uh, for different causes all around, different political systems, political thoughts. But we've been looking at this subject specifically with the lens of Jesus. What would it mean for us individually and communally to experience a revolution if Jesus was involved? Some 2,000 years ago, as many of you know, Jesus came, and as people began to hear about him and learn about his ways, they did experience a revolution, not just personally, but but socially as well. In fact, as many of you know, we've been looking at the revolution that took place in the ancient city of Ephesus, the second largest city in the Roman Empire. They went through a revolution. It's documented for us in the Bible book of Acts, the historical book of Acts. And so for the last two months, we've been asking the question, well, how did it happen there? Why did they go through a revolution? What exactly changed about their life and their journey? For the last two months now, we've been looking at different aspects. And today, we get on the subject, believe it or not, of sex and how sex was actually a part of the revolution they experienced as well. Now, you may be thinking, as you hear the word sex, and you think about, oh my goodness, are we going to enter into now a public discussion (laughs) on sex? You may be thinking to yourself, wait a second, time out. How is this even relevant (laughs) to any sense of revolution or my life changing and those kind of things? 
let, let's, let's take a pause and let's be honest real quick. The reality, of course, is, 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 is if we think about this subject of sex, the reality is all of us are sexual, are we not? All of us have probably experienced sex or sexual desires or sexual behaviors or whatever it is. All of us have experienced sex to one degree or another, and all of us have an opinion on how good or bad, how healthy or unhealthy our sexual lives are. Now, most of us think of it in a very private manner, but the reality is if we look around, we get plenty of information there's plenty going on about sex, not just in us, but also around us. I mean, just think about your friends. And the last time you all talked about sex and how it was talked about, good or bad. Think about the last time you were at work and something came up. I mean, just we can think about it really publicly now because of all the sexual harassment cases that have come up in workplaces. Sex is something not only deeply personal, And so the question is, as we think about this subject of, of sex, and as we begin to think about how we might need to experience a revolution in this area, I hope you see its relevance. I hope you see its relevance to your own life. I hope you see its relevance to the greater community. And I hope you feel as well as I, as I feel that, man, something has to change. I mean, something has to change in me personally. My experiences of sex, the good, the bad, the ups and downs, why am I not experiencing something that I think should be better and more beautiful? And not only do I want that change, but as I look around, I hope you feel that, man, something has to change around us as well. And so why don't we get started with this question, as we always do. And this is going to be a really personal question. If you don't want to share this question, Feel free to let your table partners know. Uh, but what's your experience with sex? Like, how are you experiencing it right now? It's a good thing, a bad thing, something I, I actually don't want to talk about, so I'll just stop right now. I'll give you one minute with your table partners just to begin to process this together as a community. One minute. Now, I won't do what we usually do, which is go around and ask people for their responses. Uh, we'll keep it a little more private than that, just in case you, you'd like some more privacy. But you know, this, the subject of sex, again, it is so important for us today. We, we think about it personally. We look around us communally. Uh, we know it's something that is on everyone's mind. It's something our society shapes us greatly with. The crazy thing is, 2,000 years ago, human beings were just the same. And in this great city of Ephesus, the second largest city in the Roman Empire, this city was actually known for its sexuality as well. You've heard that, uh, I've mentioned this uh, in the weeks past, this city in Ephesus had the, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It, would, it housed the temple to Artemis, the goddess of fertility. If you've ever seen pictures of this goddess, she is literally uh, standing there with over 100 breasts covering her. That was kind of what she looked like. And so this city was known for its sex. And I think today, 
Our cities, our country, our world were also known for our sex as well. And so it, was, it, it only made sense then that as Jesus entered into the picture and a revolution began, the issue of sex had to be discussed. We are going to take a look at an excerpt from that letter written some 2,000 years ago to the citizens of the city that experienced the rev the, this revolution. Uh, if you remember the background, the city was this letter, excuse me, was written about four or five years after the city experienced a revolution. And as we've been tracking with this letter, many things have been talked about. But today, we actually get to that passage where they actually discuss sex and sexuality and how Jesus changes things. Now, as we enter into this, what we're going to do is we're just going to read a few sentences and talk about it here together and think about how this might apply to us. But as we get into it, let me just quickly acknowledge that as we read this, most likely you will probably have one of two responses to what we read. You will either see this excerpt as a very controlling and limiting excerpt because uh, if you have grown up with some type of religion or if you've been exposed to some type of religious or spiritual teaching, this will sound a lot like that. And you may think, oh my goodness, this is just very controlling or limiting. Or you could see this as something that is actually quite revolutionary. We've been trying to take that revolutionary perspective all along. And the thing is, this revolutionary perspective if you remember the last few talks we've done, it involves a God who is there, but this God who is there is not some type of stern or angry God. We've talked about week after week, this God is somehow happy and excited and overflowing with the desire for humanity to experience the good and the beautiful that it was meant to experience. The storyline of Jesus and his scriptures are about a God who is like that, but evil and sin and wickedness has, has broken into the system and has tainted and damaged all that is there. This letter is written with the hopes that this city of Ephesus and, and our city today, as we experience the, the good but also the broken things, the hope is that we had experienced something good and beautiful that we are meant to experience. And so as we take a look at this excerpt, just remember that in your mind. You may respond to this as controlling and limiting, but I want to challenge us to experience it as something actually quite revolutionary. Take a look, if you will, at the excerpts on the table. And we'll just read a few sentences. We're not going to read through this whole thing today. Just a few sentences here. The first paragraph starts off as this, like this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, let's take a pause here really quick. Notice how this whole discussion starts. It starts off with a discussion not necessarily of sex, but of love. And not just of love, but our author here gets us thinking about Jesus right away and how Jesus loved and loves humanity. Specifically, notice how the author says, 
follow this way of love just like Christ loved us. And specifically, the author notes that Christ loved us in such a way that he gave himself up for us. Now, that's a reference, yes, to the cross that Jesus died on, but the phraseology is very interesting, that he gave himself up for us. I want, to, I want you to think about really quickly what sex is for you. What do you hope for in sex? What, what, why do you want to have sex? Yes, there's this biological urge, I think, in many of us that say, yeah, I want to have sex, but I have a feeling that most of us want to have sex because we love somebody. And in our ideal minds, we love someone so much that we want to give ourselves to them. And part of that giving ourselves to them is sex, is giving ourselves sexually to them. You may have had a lot of sex. You may have never had sex. I have a feeling that deep in our minds, when we desire and want sex and have sex, our hope is to have that kind of love. Our hope is to give that kind of love. Our, our hope is that that love would happen. Isn't it interesting that he gets this discussion talking about sex by getting us focused on Jesus and how Jesus is the one who actually loved us in such a way and was able to give himself to us. We'll come back to that in a brief moment. Notice how the paragraph continues, or the second one continues. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Let's take a pause here. What is he actually talking about? Notice that he doesn't say, but among you there shouldn't be even a hint of sex or of sexual desire. That's not what he says. The background is, of course, sex is a good thing. Let's not forget that from God's perspective. But specifically, he notes there should not be a hint of sexual immorality. Now, what does that exactly mean? I think when we hear the word immorality today, we think of all sorts of interesting things based on our culture of origin, our religion of origin, our family of origin. Back in that time, the phrase there, sexual immorality, basically meant things, sexual feelings, behaviors, actions that were outside of God's ideal. Okay? Sexual immorality, you have a bunch of things you probably think about. In that culture, 2,000 years ago, that phrase actually means just things outside of God's ordeal, uh, God's, God's ideal. As we think about this then, if that's what it means, what this sentence is telling us is that revolutionary sex, if we are to experience revolutionary sex, the first thing we need to re realize that, is that there are certain good boundaries in place when it comes to revolutionary sex. There are certain things that God has a vision, an ideal for, and then there are things that are outside of that ideal. And that actually is a good thing. Now again, you may come at this from a religious controlling sort of perspective, or you come at this from a revolutionary perspective. I want to say this is actually a revolutionary idea. 
I was thinking about this, like how we can make sense of this. Because so, some of you are like, thinking to yourself, probably like, wait a second. In my mind, good sex is sex however I want it, whenever I want it, whoever I want it with. That's like the ideal, right? Like why would I even think about boundaries? That just doesn't make sense. Let's think about it from this perspective. I'm a big football fan, uh, American football that is, and, and international football. But um, you know, right now we're in the, the thick of the football season, right? And what makes football and touchdowns so beautiful is that somehow in this area that has boundaries, people make catches within these boundaries, trying to stay in the boundary and score points. That's, that's what a touchdown is, right? And, and the, what makes football and some of these catches so beautiful in the touchdown zone is that somehow they're able to stay in the boundaries and still catch it and score some points. Boundaries are something that are actually good. They're necessary. But they're also quite beautiful if we know that there's a lot of creativity and vision that can be had in those boundaries. I mean, can you imagine football where the end zone had no boundaries? I mean, it'd be kind of boring, right? Okay, yeah, you can catch a ball, but you're like 10, 10 yards outside of the end zone. Big deal. Why is that so special? Why is that so fun to watch? That's, that's not fun to watch. It's not fun to experience. But when you're in those boundaries and you can do that, wow, that's kind of cool. Sex, revolutionary sex, in many ways, is like that. There are visionary boundaries that need to be had. Notice the second word that's used. There shouldn't be any talk of impurity as well. Hint of impurity. Now, again, what does this actually mean? What did it mean back then? What does it mean today? I, I think most of us have a sense of what purity looks like or feels like at least. You all can think about a, a bottle of water. Some of you have some bottles of water. And when you have pure water, it's a good thing, right? It look, you know what it looks like. You know what it tastes like. And it doesn't take much to make that bottle of water impure, right? It can be like backwash from your partner sharing the same bottle of water. You're like, oh, this is gross. <laughs> like, what? Like, you know, the, the things have made that thing impure pretty quickly. And the thing with impurity is that even that little bit, just think about that backwash. I know it's not pretty, but even that little bit, you know, it just kind of ruins the whole thing, right? It's interesting with sex. I think, I think all of us have that sense as well. Like we have this ideal in our mind what, of what sex should be like. But then there's that little impurity that gets in. Maybe it's like you feel like your partner really wasn't wanting it, but they were still doing it or something like that, right? There's some, some type of impurity that gets in. And you're like, man, that's just kind of messed up. Something's wrong. Something, something's messed up. Why was it like that? Why is it like that? Can you believe that Jesus is wanting us to have purity in our sexual lives? He is so passionate about us experiencing good that he wants us to have nothing impure, but only that is that what is pure in our sexual lives. Notice the third word that 
is used, there shouldn't be any hint of greed. Now, why would that be brought up in a discussion of sexuality and of sex? Again, I think all of us, when we think about sex and sexuality, our vision involves not just getting, although many times we're driven to sex because we want to get something, but I think deep down within us, we all have a desire to love and love so much that we are giving generously and that we're just selfless with somebody, not just with sex, but with anything. Our vision of love between people involves this total giving, this total generosity. And so our author here, inspired by Jesus, is saying, yeah, that is what you want. And so don't let there be greed involved. There's a lot more that could be said. Let me just note one more thing, and then we'll kind of bring things to a conclusion. There's a lot going on here. And, and believe me, uh, even though the, the language is you know, kind of couched a little bit, this is actually all about sex and sexuality. There's a lot to be said, but let me just make one more note. Notice sentence number four, or verse four. Notice that he gets into a discussion in verse four about how we talk about sex. He says this, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. What is he saying here? He's saying that basically revolutionary sex also involves God-honoring talk. God-honoring talk about other people. God-honoring talk to God himself about sexuality. There's something about how we talk about it that actually reflects what's inside of us that needs to be changed and transformed as well. I think all this stuff going on right now in the news of sexual harassment. I think about, you know, the Trump tapes from the Access Hollywood discussion that he had, the locker room talk, supposedly. It's a little more than locker room. I think we all can acknowledge that. I think that all shows us, doesn't it, that there is something wrong with sex in our society. There is something wrong with sex and sexuality in our community. There's even something wrong within us about sex and sexuality, isn't there? But the vision God has, the revolution he desires, is something really good, something very beautiful, something that we can actually experience if we let him. And so here's the question then, as we um, try to wrap this up, and, and just to let you know, today is a really unique Sunday in that we're going to continue on this conversation at lunch at Panico's. Uh, we're actually going to have some people share their stories about their sexual journey and how they've kind of restored or been restored by Jesus in their sexuality. You're going to read about people who you're going to hear from, those, uh, from members here that have gone through quite a bit in their journey. But how might we, at least for this portion, wrap up this time and think about what it means to experience a revolutionary sexuality? Two things. Number one, I would encourage you to read through this when you get home 
and think about the practical things that are brought up. There's a lot of practical things that are brought up, but one of the perhaps most prominent practical things that are brought up is starting in verse 8, and it talks about using this metaphor of light and dark. It talks about not living in darkness anymore, meaning not living in a place where sex and sexuality is hidden in your life. It's something you don't talk about with God and others. It talks about don't live in that darkness anymore, but live in the light. Live an open life, an honest life about your sex and your sexuality. Talk about it with people. Not, not to be a voyeur, not in a voyeuristic way. But talk about it because here's the deal. You're going through something. Someone else is going through something. You need healing. Someone else needs healing. You, you, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it with God. You need to talk about it with, with others. So, so, so get in the light about the subject. But here's the deal. That's pretty hard to do, isn't it? And that's, that's really hard to do if you're new to this journey with Jesus and thinking about life as he has for us, the vision of life that he has. It's, it's actually impossible, I think, to live a good sex life, a virtuous sex life, just trying to figure it out on your own. It, it, it's impossible. I've tried it. Some of you know my story is a story of being a sex addict before I met Jesus. And so, I mean, I've tried everything you could try, I think, in trying to get my sex life like straightened out without Jesus. It's, it's pretty impossible. I want to draw our attention back to the first paragraph again. Because I think in the first paragraph, we come to the, the foundation of how you and I can begin to experience the revolution in sexuality that we want to experience. Remember how in the beginning, this author in that first paragraph, he, he starts with talking about Jesus and how Jesus loved us. And specifically how Jesus loved us so much that he was able to fully give himself to us. I think that picture is deliberate. The picture is deliberate in trying to show us, again, what we are all really wanting when we think about sex in its idealized form. We are wanting love, are we not? We are wanting to love when we give our bodies to somebody. We are wanting to receive love when we give our bodies to somebody. That is ultimately what we're wanting. And what Jesus and his scriptures are telling us is that you and I can't experience that unless we've experienced it first from Jesus. You can't give yourself fully, your body fully in love, unless you've received the body of Jesus given to you fully in love. You can't receive a body given to you in love until you receive the body of Jesus given to you in love. Jesus loved us so much that he actually gave his body for us to die on a cross so that we could experience love. You want to give your body away? You want to receive someone else's body? I think it's a good thing. Experience it first with Jesus. Can you join me in a word of prayer as we wrap up our time together?
You know, today has been a little different. We haven't given a lot of discussion time as we usually do around the tables. Um, part of it is because this is a very um, personal and private area of our lives where perhaps uh, some of us may not be as comfortable to talk about what's happening. And so today, has, it's been a little bit more of a one-way conversation, and I apologize if you were looking for more discussion here today. But I hope this more one-way conversation has given you some thoughts, some helpful thought patterns to begin to experience revolutionary sex in your life. Perhaps as I've shared and led this discussion, perhaps certain experiences in your own life have kind of popped up, certain wounds and misalignments in your life with sex and sexuality. Perhaps something happened to you or perhaps you engaged in something that you feel bad for, for whatever reason. Can I encourage us that Jesus understands, Jesus knows, and Jesus loves. He loves you. He loves those you've had sex with. And he wants to restore. He wants to bring something good. He wants to revolutionize our sex lives. And so, Jesus, we ask you, we invite you now to continue to touch our lives, to meddle in this area of our life that is often misunderstood, often confusing, and bring your light, bring your clarity, bring your help in this area for us. Do it not just for us personally, but do it for us communally. Do it for us as a city. Do it for us as a country, as a, as a global human population. We are... We are broken. We're, 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 we don't know what to do when it comes to sex and sexuality. We're confused. Show us your ways, please. Thank you so much for this time. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.